Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. We are glad you're with us on this Sunday morning. This is Hancock and Kelly right here on Fox 2. That's John Hancock. Hey, everybody. That's Michael Kelly. Morning. And I'm Mike Colombo in for John Brown this morning. Several big stories to talk about this week. We're going to start, though, with the second summit between President Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. It ended abruptly after the two leaders failed to reach a deal. The sticking points, North Korea's insistence, the U.S. lift all sanctions and disagreement on exactly what denuclearization entails. Let's listen to this report from Michelle Kaczynski, and we will discuss it on the other side. The president traveled 8,000 miles and comes away empty-handed. A Vietnam summit with Kim Jong-un quickly turned south, leaving the president with no distraction from Michael Cohen's damaging testimony. They wanted the sanctions lifted in their entirety, and we couldn't do that. It was a very productive two days, but sometimes you have to walk. I wish we could have gotten a little bit further, um, but I'm, I'm very um, optimistic. There were good signs early. Kim Jong-un keeping denuclearization on the table. If I'm not willing to do that, I won't be here right now. But after many pleasantries on camera, talks in private did not lead to any breakthrough. A working lunch and signing ceremony that had been on the schedule never happened. An abrupt end to talks overnight, with the White House saying no agreement was reached at this time, but their respective teams look forward to meeting in the future. The president did make one stunning headline, letting Kim off the hook for the death of American hostage Otto Warmbier. Those prisons are rough. They're rough places. He tells me that he didn't know about it, and I will take him at his word. Now, we're going to talk more about that issue specifically in a minute, but let's talk about the larger issue of this summit. And I guess the first question is, how can you really review what took place when there wasn't a whole lot to be known about how anything would turn out going in? Well, they left a lot of kimchi on the table, Colombo. <laughs> you could say. Uh, you know, I was gratified by the way this ended. You know, I think there was a lot of concern in the foreign policy community that the president might be tempted to sign a, a bad agreement because of the circus going on in D.C. with Michael Cohen. And I think the fact that the president walked away here, there, there's no way that we should that we should waive the sanctions that we have. And those sanctions are what brought us to this point of getting some negotiation. Uh, and I think the president walking away from those talks was a very good thing. And uh, and who knows what's going to happen? We know North Korea is a bad actor. We know Kim Jong Un is unreliable. Uh, maybe nothing happens, but you know we will see. But at least the United States is holding its ground. Well, I think there's been bar bipartisan agreement to that fact that uh, we're relieved that the president didn't wind up signing some deal where we wouldn't get what would be right for the United States of America. What's most troubling here is this is the second time the president of the United States has chosen to sit down with Kim Jong-un. And in fact, he's given him a victory in front of his own people. 
The fact that an American president who's never communicated with these dictators in the past actually now has sat down with them twice, this is a huge victory for Kim Jong-un as he goes back. He's going to still move forward with his nuclear deal. Thankfully, the president didn't do something. But yet, the president, even in the midst of walking away, throws a little love card out to Kim Jong-un and almost gives him justification for what he did to that American. What do you think that's about? Do you think that he has a larger plan here or he's going off of maybe a game plan that's worked in the past when dealing with interesting people? I think most would say there's never been anybody like Kim Jong-un, so I don't know. Try it. Uh, the, the warm beer comment was a mistake and, uh, and a big one. And uh, I think you, you cannot let a dictator off the hook for just inexplicable... Uh, behavior, you know, towards an American citizen, you know, that was uh, that was one of the more regrettable moments of this presidency, uh, in in my opinion. Well, it was sickening. Let's not forget, two State of the Unions ago, the president brought this young man's family into the gallery and used them as a prop and said, "Look what I'm doing." And now, at the most recent one, when he doesn't get a deal, he lets Kim Jong on and off the hook. It's sickening. It's not regrettable. It's just downright sickening. And let's talk a little bit more about that. I want to get into it so that everybody at home watching can hear exactly what the president said. And just as a refresher course here, the president is under fire for the comments he made about the man you see on your screen. That is the late Otto Warmbier. He was the American college student who died after his detention in North Korea. And here is what President Trump said when asked about talking, taking Kim at his word regarding what happened to Warm Beer. I don't believe he knew about it. Did he, did he say, did he tell you that he did not, uh, did Kim Jong-un tell you? He felt badly about it. Did I did speak to him. He, he felt very badly. But he knew the case very well, but he knew it later. And, you know, you got a lot of people, a big country, a lot of people. And in those prisons and those camps, you have a lot of people. And some really bad things happened to Otto. Some really, really bad things. Why, why are you But he tells him? me, he tells me that he didn't know about it, and I will take him at his word. So we have this statement from the Warmbier family, and it reads, We have been respectful during this summit process. Now we must speak out. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for the death of our son Otto. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for unimaginable cruelty and inhumanity. No excuses or lavish praise can change that. All right, Mike. There's thoughts? a pattern here, guys. I mean, here the President of the United States accepting the word of a dictator who killed an American, Kim Jong-un, saying when uh, Vladimir Putin, when he meets with Vladimir Putin, and Vladimir Putin says, I didn't meddle in the Russian election, the President says, I believe him. When we go and talk to the Prince of Saudi Arabia for killing a journalist, same thing. He didn't know about this. What is it about this sick fascination that this president has with strongmen that he's willing to go out and defend them at the expense of American citizens who've lost their lives? I think, he, I think you need to bifurcate this a little bit. Um, <clears throat> there's no defense for that statement by the president. There's just no defense for it. Uh, and you do not let dictators off the hook for human rights violations that are unspeakable, which is what this was. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there's nothing wrong with the President of the United States sitting down with even an evil, bad foreign dictator to try and achieve something that's in the United States national security interest. Now, they didn't achieve that at this summit, but we also didn't 
hand over the store to the guy either. I think the sanctions need to remain in place. The president does too. And those sanctions are probably the only thing that will ever bring this regime to its knees uh, if it ever gets to its knees. All right, let's quickly get to another topic that happened this week. According to the New York Times, President Trump offered officials to give his son-in-law top security clearance. We, of course, are talking about the man you see right there, Jared Kushner. On Thursday, the Times reported that the president gave the order to his then chief of staff, John Kelly, last May. But intelligence officials had concerns about granting such clearance to Kushner. Kushner is one of President Trump's senior presidential advisors. To this point, the White House has not commented on this story. Any other week, it might have been bigger news. But with both the North Korea summit going on, as well as the Cohen hearing, uh, didn't really pop as much as it might have uh, with less than 30 seconds of quick thought from EGM. Even further evidence to what I was pointing out. This is a president who will believe strongmen, dictators, Vladimir Putin, but he won't believe his own intelligence people. More compelling is that the president asked about this a year ago whether or not he did this. He said absolutely not. It comes out that he did give him the permission to be able to get a security clearance. This president lies. It doesn't matter what comes out of his mouth. He's lying. Yeah, he should not have. He should not have been less than forthright about this. Uh, look, the president has the authority to to give a security clearance. What the president should have done is said, "Yes, I've I've given Jared Kushner some very important tasks to do. In order to do those tasks that I've given him, he needs a security clearance. Therefore, I insisted that he have one. I think this would be much less of a story had that been." the course that the president had chosen. All right, very good. We'll pause right there. Still to come here on Hancock and Kelly, the other big news involving the president this week and his former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, the hearing that went down and what came from it. Hancock and Kelly will be right back. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. On Wednesday, an explosive hearing Michael Cohen testifying to Congress that the president has lied about his business dealings and his personal life. Republicans claim that Cohen is the liar. Omar Jimenez reported on the day's highlights from Capitol Hill. This report from Wednesday. What you take away from today's hearing is going to come down to one thing, and that is credibility. And depending on what side of the political aisle the questioner was on, seemed to determine whether Michael Cohen was deemed credible or not. Regardless of that, this was a hearing that lasted more than seven hours. It was one where we learned new information. It was one that was contentious at times, but it was also one where this is probably the last time we are going to hear from Michael Cohen in such a high-profile setting. I am not protecting Mr. Trump anymore. President Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, will go to prison in May for three years. But as today's testimony proves, he's not going quietly. He is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat. Cohen presenting a copy of a $35,000 check as evidence Trump directed hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels. The President of the United States thus wrote a personal check for the payment of hush money as part of a criminal scheme. Cohen says he believes then-candidate Trump also knew WikiLeaks would release emails damaging to Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. Mr. Trump knew from Roger Stone in advance about the WikiLeaks drop of emails. Republicans, however, questioning Cohen's credibility. The now disbarred lawyer pleaded guilty to tax crimes, campaign finance violations, and lying to Congress. The first announced witness for the 116th Congress is a guy who is going to prison in two months for 
lying to Congress. At the, the explosive hearing ending with an emotional Cohen. This is a part of your destiny. And hopefully this portion of your destiny will lead to a better Michael Cohen, a better Donald Trump, a better United States of America. And Congressman Elijah Cummings later added that he does believe Michael Cohen in this. Now, just because this hearing is over does not mean it's the end of a week in Washington for Michael Cohen. Tuesday, he sat down with the Senate Intelligence Committee for more than nine hours behind closed door. Wednesday, he was in front of the House Oversight Committee publicly for more than seven hours, as we saw. And Thursday, he's going to be in front of the House Intelligence Committee, where Chairman Adam Schiff says they will be working to corroborate some of the claims made to Today. Reporting from Capitol Hill, I'm Omar Jimenez. We'll get our reaction here in a moment, but I want to let you hear what President Trump had to say about that hearing. And he lied a lot, but it was very interesting because he didn't lie about one thing. He said, no collusion with the Russian hoax. And I said, I wonder why he didn't just lie about that, too, like he did about everything else. All right. The biggest takeaway was that Cohen is going to be back on March 6th to talk about some more stuff. But if we have to go off what we saw this week, um, these hearings are always a spectacle, no matter who's sitting in that seat. This one, obviously, much more high profile considering the subject matter. I'll start with you, Mike. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a man who was going to jail for lying to Congress, telling Congress, I'm not going to tell you the truth. So you got to take everything he says with a grain of salt. For Republicans spending all their time attacking what uh, the credibility of Michael Cohen, never once defending the president when he called him a liar, a cheat, and a racist. No Republicans willing to stand up and defend this president on those because it's true. And, you know, Michael Cohen has laid a lot of landmines out there now of future people who are going to be showing up in front of these committees. And, Mr. President, welcome to being a part of the, having a, minor, a majority party coming after you from Congress. If you entered into this hearing of the belief that uh, Donald Trump was the second coming of Mother Teresa, uh, you would have been shocked by Michael Cohen's testimony. I don't think Michael Cohen's testimony told us much new information at all. And, you know, the one thing that really is being overblown here is the payoffs to Stormy Daniels being some kind of impeachable criminal offense. Uh, now, in the old days, you know, in politics, Colombo, if you paid off a porn star, that was the end of your political career. All right, well, that's not the case anymore. Uh, so what they're trying to do here, what our Democratic friends are trying to do, is somehow say that the paying of the porn star was a campaign finance violation. Ooh, and that that's somehow a high crime. Let me tell you, campaign finance violations, you pay a fine. That's what happens. And we even have an empirical case study of this very issue as it relates to John Edwards paying off the woman that was the mother of his illegitimate child. Remember that case? And that was also a campaign finance violation. Nothing happened. So the overclaiming on campaign finance violations here is a little bit laughable, in, in my opinion. I've heard just from some of the fallout of this that 
kind of to your point, not a whole lot of new information, but the real blow may come in the Southern District of New York when it's all said and done, and that may come even after President Trump is out of office, whenever that might be. Well, there's no doubt about it. Anybody that's last name is Trump ought to have uh, eyes in the back of their head as it relates to the Southern District. But, I mean, yet again, another defense of the president, and the defense is, yeah, our guy's a bad dude, and he doesn't tell the truth, and he pays off porn stars, and he lies. <laughs> we'll cut it right there. There you go. All right. Still to come here on Hancock and Kelly this morning, we'll take a look at politics closer to home. What was said this week about St. Louis City Mayor Lida Krusen and the role that she may play in a city-county merger. We will also talk about something that happened with U.S. Senator Josh Hawley that cleared him of his dealings back in the state of Missouri. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. On Tuesday, aldermen in the city of St. Louis held a news conference on the Better Together proposal that would combine St. Louis City and county governments. One of the topics discussed during the press conference was an effort to recall Mayor Lida Krusen from office. Alderman Brandon Bosley, John Collins Muhammad, and Pam Boyd took the lead, with the main question being, and I quote Mr. Collins Muhammad here, that the plan will dilute and drastically affect African-American leadership, something that this city and region have worked hard to obtain. This is moving backwards, not forwards. So we begin our discussion with the question of some legitimate points possibly being made versus knowing that there are people within government in both St. Louis City and St. Louis County who might be out of a job in the event that these were to merge. Right. Well, in the interest of disclosure, I am working on the Better Together, on the side of the Better Together effort. So uh, I'm going to limit my comments to the recall of Lida Krusen, which I think is a political stunt. Uh, Lida Krusen was elected mayor. I, I didn't vote for her. I don't live in the city. But she was elected the mayor of St. Louis. She is leading. And you may very much disagree with the way she's leading, but she's leading. And, and I thought her comments uh, in response to this is, you know, were appropriate. Change is hard. She's doing what she thinks is in the best interest of the people of St. Louis. Now, the voters may reject that, uh, but they, don't, they shouldn't reject the duly elected mayor of the city of St. Louis who is just doing her job. Yeah, and full disclosure, I also am supportive of the Better Together movement. We've got to do something in this region. Having said that, this recall effort, I mean, these are the same two uh, politicians who are also fighting an initiative which was passed at the Board of Aldermen was to, to reduce the Board of Aldermen in half. It, it, continuing its status quo and defending this nonsense just makes no sense to me. And then to have a sideshow of attacking Lida Krusen, it, it really is that. It's a sideshow. There's really no alternatives being offered other than just wanting to yell, scream, and make if a... If you're a conservative out there and you're upset that, that, that you believe that Democrats are trying to overturn the election decision as it relates to Donald Trump, you should be as concerned here. We, we shouldn't have a political system where if you happen to disagree with an elected official, you simply recall them from office. That's not how this is supposed to work. All right, let's talk about something that happened this week involving Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. He closed his investigation into possible election violations against former Attorney General and now U.S. Senator Josh Hawley. The original complaint was submitted on November 6 by nonprofit organization American Democracy Legal Fund. That organization accused Hawley of using public funds as Missouri's Attorney General to support his candidacy for U.S. Senate. 
And this quote, based on the documents my office reviewed and the interviews conducted, I cannot say that there is reasonable, trustworthy information that an offense has been committed. That was from Mr. Ashcroft in a press release. Yeah, and I think he, he did conduct an investigation. He even, he even brought in the Democratic uh, state auditor uh, to look over this. I think it was, he looked at it. There was nothing there. Most of us thought there was nothing there from the beginning anyway. He had an investigation done. So we have the Republicans clearing Josh Hawley to go back to the United States Senate saying, no problem that you had outside consultants in running your government office. This was a circumvention of what the way that the offices are supposed to work. This is nothing more than a whitewash of the Republicans trying to collect, uh, protect Josh Hawley. They'll deal with the consequences on this on their reelection. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, this was a real investigation. He didn't do anything wrong, and here we are. All right, very good. We'll give these fellows a little more time for their final thoughts. With that in mind, Hancock and Kelly will right, be right back after a commercial break. All right, it's final thought time. Lead us off, Mike. Well, I guess I should start with talking about the stunningly bad week that the President of the United States had yet again. One, protecting a strong man, saying that he did nothing wrong against that young, innocent American who wound up being killed. Two, being unable to deliver anything and giving up the credibility of the United States on something that should have been happening by lower level staff in Korea. And then finally, the investigations that are taking place in Washington, D.C., constantly proving that this president is a liar. Boy, what a splendid job he's doing. So let me put this in context for you, Colombo. The Democrats see a big cookie out there. And they think the big cookie is Donald Trump. They're going to finally get rid of this guy. And they're reaching for the cookie, Colombo. And they've reached over too far. And they've knocked over the cookie jar. They've made a mess out of the kitchen. If they are not careful, Michael, you guys are going to take an opportunity to win the White House in 2020 and squander it from overreaching and trying too hard to do too much with too little. Sounds like a guy who's saying that the president shouldn't get reelected. I'm just ready for milk and cookies. Forget politics. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week for Hancock and Kelly. If you missed any part of the show, remember you can download it in the podcast app on your smartphone. Just search the word Hancock. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here next time. Bye. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.